Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Creatives Ignite. And I am super excited because today I get to meet with Natalie Callback. I'm going to call her Nat for the rest of the time, but she is somebody who has been inspiring me for over 10 years. I'm good to see you, Brandy. I see you in there coming in from Canada. Um, it. She is somebody who has artistically and entrepreneurially, entrepreneur, I don't know how to say that, and I probably didn't say it really well, has is has that has been part of the inspiration. So she's a teacher. She's taught classes. She, to me, was a pioneer in the um, that part of educating art classes online. This is way before Skillshare, way before all the other ones that are out. Um, Natalie was doing this and I was participating and I absolutely love it. So recently, so she's a great writer. She's written a book or uh, multiple books, but I know one book for sure I have in my uh, library. She wrote, she has a sub stack, which I'll share with y'all, but she wrote about a sabbatical she took. And I always think, um, I know a lot of us, a lot of people have popped in. Great to see everybody. You can always join us live on Wednesdays. Um, but we all, we maybe are all working too much or we're spreading ourselves too thin and we think, oh, if I could just take a sabbatical. And there's a designer who um, has done this and he does it every seven years. And it just seems like, oh, that's for like really rich people or something. You know, it's like, I'm not going to be able to do that. But I actually think maybe there's some ways that we can incorporate sabbatical in our regular practice. Um, maybe we don't have to take a whole year. Maybe we don't have to take a whole month, um, but maybe there's different ways to look at it, but taking a break. So we're going to dive in Natalie and ask you a ton of questions about why you did sabbatical and um, when you did it, what you did, what you were expecting. But before we begin, I probably did not do it justice, but could you give them a little bit of your background and who you are, where you are and what you do? Thank you so much for having me, Diana. I always love talking to you. And um, yeah, thank you for everyone who came. Looking forward to meet you. Um, trying to look at the chat at the same time. So I'm Natalie Callback, short Nat. Um, as you may hear from my accent, I uh, may live in, um, in um, Jersey City uh, in New Jersey, um, but I'm actually from uh, Germany. I only lived for 10 years in the U.S., um, I'm going to say that because most often people are very curious about it. Um, my husband is American. He is from, um, central Jersey, as he loves to, uh, say. And no, he was not in, in the army, but he, uh, was in Germany and that's where we met 25 years ago. And so 10 years ago, we came back or he came back and I came with him. So here I am. Um, I was not always an artist. I used to be a paralegal uh, for, I studied law, was a paralegal for 17 years. And at some point as an outlet um, of a kind of stressful work, um, which I did like though, um, I started doing um, scrapbooking and art. And then I, I ventured into mixed media and um so, yeah, um, and I started out writing a blog, uh, I think about 2002, um, and then wrote about my, you know, just like discovering certain things and trying out uh, things, uh, discovering things with pains and et cetera. I never had a 
had a feeling that I was uh, essentially like talented in art or anything. In fact, I had an art teacher who once told me um, that I had no talent whatsoever and I had tried really hard. And so I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Then I guess I study law. So <laughs> anyway, I came back and um, and that was good. And um, there was it was a coincidence in where I was and how it happened, but um, people started asking me if I would teach workshops, uh, sometimes in art and craft supply stores, um, sometimes just for adults that wanted to have a creative outlet. And so I started first in Germany, and then I was asked all over in Europe. And then eventually it became a, a really big thing that I would travel in my vacation time, which in Germany is a lot. You know, we have um, six weeks of vacation. Don't tell anyone if you're from the U.S. But um, so I would spend most of my vacation to actually um, go to different uh, places like Australia and Israel. Uh, I would, You know, it was pretty cool. Um, Greece and my first time in New York, I was teaching. So it, it was, it was, you know, very exciting. Um, thank you about the wall cake paper. <laughs> so was very exciting. And yeah, and then um, around, um, I was trying to figure out when I started teaching online, but it was, it was um, probably around 2008 that I did the first online workshops. And as uh, Diane said, it wasn't, you know, you didn't have these like really big platforms that would um, help you with that. Um, I, I would do some videos and um, would put them on a password protected part of a page. And then you would send out, you know, something. And when I look at some of the videos, I recently found some of them, um, they are horrible. They look like they're this small on the screen and it's really bad. Um, anyway, I mean, back then it might not have been. It was great though. But, but one of the things that I also think of you as this pioneer is that you would have Creative Jumpstart, which is uh, it was a 31 days of, there was a prompt and she would get in touch with all these different artists, 31 artists, you were included. So 30 other people. And they would shoot these videos and a lot of it was over the head down and they would be from her prompt making this stuff. And then as a participant, we were doing it as well. And there were ways for us to share. I mean, but to me, you were teaching all these people for so many over 10 years or 10 years, right? You were teaching teaching these teachers how to do it. They were artists. They were not tech probably. So all the stuff that maybe just comes so natural. There's all these YouTubes. YouTube wasn't even around. I mean, this was not like, to me, this was a, a big thing and she just took it on and she was happily to teach um, so many people. And it really created a new um, way for a lot of people to learn and people who were more remote, like Maya's in Norway and not really around a whole bunch of maybe other artists, smaller town. There are um, some of Santa's uh, reindeer there, but um, but like those are the things that if you hadn't pushed and these things weren't cheap in the beginning, right? Like you to, I mean, there there wasn't the same kind of you had to do a lot of workarounds, right? 
Um, it was actually, in a way, it was cheaper, I feel, that because you, um, maybe because we were just like using what we had and you would mm -hmm. be like, okay, how can I make it work with um, a webcam that I try to, you know, giraffe onto some shelf so that I can do, I mean, it was kind of funny. And nowadays you can buy all these like beams and, you know, people tell you how to do the best way with lighting. I mean, no, like I wasn't even thinking about lighting. And in a way that was actually more freeing. Nobody, not a mm. lot of people had really big expectations either. I mean, not, I mean, of course the content had to be right, but it wasn't like someone was expecting um, like a movie production. I feel that is depending on what you do, that has changed a lot. Um, a lot of critique was uh, would come around at some point or the other about you know the production, the the lighting, and all kinds of things. And um, I thought it was always very interesting because there are a lot of artists that have something to give and to teach. Um, so let them do their thing. And then, you know, that might be better than just having a one-on-one, -on -one, like a holiday Oscar worth uh, thing. Right. But anyway, that's, I'm very, you know, I'm very <laughs> outspoken about these things, but I had a lot of fun. I loved, I because I was in Germany and the thing that I did in this mixed media realm and art journaling, there weren't a lot of people in my, um, in my vicinity that were very close by. So the online teaching and connecting online was a big way to connect with like-minded people. And as we all have seen through the pandemic, it was an early way of actually bringing people together, um, making it possible for people who maybe not had the means to travel and to, to pay a lot for these workshops or people that may be not able to travel because they have... Um, you know, disabilities or anyway, all kinds of different reasons. And um, I always thought it was such a great way to connect. Um, besides also, of course, meeting in person, because that I also enjoyed a lot. And Creative Jumpstart came very much from that urge to connect with my peers, but also to connect with like-minded people and bring people together. So the first, uh, I think the first two years were free and we had like 6,000 or 7,000 students, which was absolutely insane and not sustainable for a free workshop. And then um, when I started charging, which I, I'm talking about like 20 bucks, and then I think the, the highest amount was at the end, like $65 for 31 classes. Um, I, I think... Um, we had like an average of about 1,200, 1,300 uh, students uh, each year. So, yeah. So it was, it was a lot. But one of the things that another pioneer way, not just teaching people how artists how to teach online, you were also the Internet, the um, there weren't platforms like Teachable when you started. You were creating your own, um, which I think uh if people like you weren't doing that, we wouldn't be where we are today in some of the things that do make it easy for us to do that. But so there's this kind of, to me, you are this uh, definitely, I mean, even in your art, you're licensing, you've been, uh, you're uh, 
I don't know how you say that, like you're a represented artist. You've been had your work on lots of things, not just um, um, not just on things that like there are things that we would buy. And there, it was like your rubber stamps or like you did stuff with um, different people who were. Yeah, I did like licensing design and I still do. But I also had I was an ambassador for, for example, for Liquitex and they would have my artwork on like they would work with me on kits that they would then put into uh, big box stores with a teaching plan like you know some some curriculum or something in there and then the my artwork would be on the packaging which that was super fun that's huge yeah, that it was, is, that's I, huge. it is that's a really <laughs> but it's you kept um doing these things and you keep um, you love architecture. So paint the picture for us in 2022. That was the last creative jumpstart. So you're doing other things. Your creative jumpstart is not your only source of income. You license your designs, you make products um, and, you, and you make art. So mm -hmm. what else, what was life like? Because there, it comes to a halt. I had you on the show back in 2008. 18 in December and I linked it up. So if anybody needs that link, I have it. Um, and we talked about creative jumpstart and the reason, but that was just one of the things that you were doing. Kind of paint the picture for us in 2022. Where were you? Where were you? Where was your head? How, how were here? Were you in, um, in just doing everything? Yeah. Um, so 2022 was a very different life like for many, um, because, you know, we were just, um, coming out a little bit of the pandemic and things have changed. And, um, during the pandemic, um, everything kind of for all of us came to a still stand, um, and for teach and teaching, you know, there were no traveling and going to stores, of course. So the online workshop the first year, um, which is really terrible to say, but in terms of a, from a business standpoint, that was actually um, the best year, which is terrible. It's terrible to acknowledge that, but it was because people were very hungry, you know, like it was, um, they really wanted to um, do something online. And even people that had not taken online workshops, now they were ready to do that because they wanted to learn something they wanted to do. They wanted to connect somehow. So the first year uh, I did Creative Jumpstart during January um, through the pandemic, it was actually really, really nice and, and, and amazing in terms of connection and what happened there. But it also was the year where everyone kind of like caught on on this is how we do online things, how we, uh, every teacher realized, okay, these are ways how we do it. Lots of teachers did amazing stuff where they started teaching live workshops that's not really my thing. I have to admit, um, I'm, I'm doing a lot in the, in the, I love, um, doing a class that's like, uh, I show you something and then you can do it in yourself in your area. And then we can share what you do and we can have feedback. I feel like this is my, my desk. And if I do something here, I'm very limited in the way how I can paint or work. It's not really connecting with my, with me and myself in terms of doing art. Um, so that I felt a little, uh, I, I was starting to feel that I was behind. So I was all these years kind of 
I'm pretty okay with my, you know, technology and how I would do things. But now I started to feel, well, I'm actually, no, everyone is doing it, which is cool. I have no problems with that. That's, I think it's good. The more the merrier, you know, like a rising tide rises our ships. And I truly believe in that. And also that the pie is big enough for all of us. I just felt that I personally, um, I wasn't interested in doing more online and trying to catch up with all these things um, because I was doing, I was sitting the whole time on my computer, whether it be trying to figure out how sustain my website, which was, you know, by that time now, the platform that I built on with, with, with its own uh, everything was custom designed for the classroom. It was very clunky, very hard. I paid a lot of money annually to actually just make it not break down. Um, so that was a problem. Everything started to also be more expensive. Like, okay, then, you know, I told Diane in a, uh, earlier talk that, for example, Vimeo would come and say all of a sudden, okay, it's great you have a pro account and you pay whatever, 600 bucks a, a year, but you have so many hits and so many people that your bandwidth is actually like, we, we're not, we're just not giving you any plan option anymore. We shut you down now and you have to call, uh, have a call with us to figure out a customary uh, plan. And I'm like, whoa, now, now we're talking, this is like, once a year, like it's in January where I have all these people coming, but the rest of the year, I usually don't do that. So, you know, it became a real headache in terms of administration. And then um, teaching, I knew that I didn't want to teach and travel around anymore. I uh, figured that also out. And the other thing was by doing so much online and just being on my computer all day, I would wake up, I would check emails, I would answer emails, I would try to figure things on on the web, I would answer to comments, um, you know. And then with the licensing design, I would basically um what you have to do, you have to you have to show show how you can use the like right. let's say I do rubber stamps or um a stencil, you have to you have to show how these things can be done. So I had an Half-time assist. I had a 20-hour uh, week assistant who would help me with some things. I actually had what it was called a design team of uh, four people, sometimes five people, who I would send my license designs to, and then they would create something and a tutorial, and that would have to be on the web because then that would trigger hopefully some sales so that I get another five percent or eight percent of the wholesale which then amounted into something that i basically just paid to do all these things right so i don't want to sound ungrateful but it was basically it was like a hamster wheel and i wasn't doing my own art i would like put time in my calendar and say i want to you know i love painting houses and buildings with um historical um, like do historical research and they often go through changes and gentrification and write stories around it. And I uh, basically hadn't painted much in a year. So, um, and as a lot of artists that are here um, today too, I think might feel know that 
if you really want to do art and that's your thing, it's not good. I was not in a good place. So I felt like, um, I felt the reason why I wanted to become a, a full-time artist was to do my art in the licensing design, the online workshops, the other teaching was to enable me to do that art. But now it became just a thing that I couldn't do anymore. I wasn't doing art um, or I didn't feel like it. And so I knew I was tired. I was cranky. An email that would maybe normally not set me on fire, you know, when someone was like, I forgot my password. And you're like, <laughs> oh, bad. Like, you know, you usually you, I would just answer and say, no worries. Like, just go to the button and say, forgot password. And I would sit here and just like be like, well, you know, and it was unfair. It was unfair to, um, to the people that, um, you know, support you and are part of your group, of your art group. And I also felt that, um, it wasn't, it wasn't honest for me anymore. Like I wasn't in it anymore. And it was time for change. So that's how the thought of sabbatical came into play. Okay. So in this, you had been, um, you had moved at some point. Um, you'd, did you ever live in New York? No. Okay. So you, I mean, we do were... say in Jersey City, we say we're in the city, but let's face this here. We're just across the river. <laughs> but then um, you had loved this house that you're in now from afar. You love to take walks. You did tons of drawings. A lot of your sketchbooks and things like this are filled with buildings and you love architecture. So um, when did you move? Because I think you were in this house when you you decided you were like, I'm not doing any art. What? Right. I wasn't yet in the house, but we um we had closed on the house and I've I've you know it's a it's an old Victorian, not that old, but it's from 1890. It's a it's a house that needs a lot of love. Um probably shouldn't have bought it, but you know, it is what it is. We love it. Um has all original woodwork, but also original windows that are cracked and you know, rattle and steam pipes and um, all kinds of stuff. So um, it needs a lot of love and work and, and you know, just attention. Um, but I started doing a lot of research into the house and um, and started to get back into just that, that I love. I love the history of buildings. I think that the history of a city or um, a place can be told through buildings and when I paint buildings, I don't paint them in the colors that you would expect or are realistic. They're, they're transported by what I see in them and what I know about them. I knew that I would have to have a lot of time to also, you know, deal with contractors and a move and all kinds of stuff. I knew that it would be hard to um, maintain the online teaching. I knew that it would be hard to keep on having work and money for my assistant and my design team. You know, I was like talking to my husband about it. And then he was like, maybe it is a good idea to just reset and get your head free and see if you can get back to your art and, um, and just sit, sit a year out or take a sabbatical from, you know, teaching and creative jumpstart. 
And the more I thought about it, I really had a longing for that. But um, did you yeah. have a longing for something in particular? Like, was there something that you wanted to do that had been like um, just in the back of your mind or it was just kind of like a tickle in your throat that you couldn't get rid of? Um, you know, was it a type of painting or was it um, what or what was it? Well, I definitely knew that I wanted to continue the way I would, like, I wanted to, the subject matter is always the same in terms of, you know, that research and historic and preservation and buildings. But I wanted to, to, which was, we can talk about that later, but it was, um, you know, a little weird, like, oh, from don't have any mojo to paint to, well, we will solve that by just thinking we're going to paint big. I want to paint big, you know, like, I, I don't know what I was thinking. So I bought these like crazy big canvases that barely fit up the staircase. Um, didn't even like make them myself. So I just bought them, make it easy. Um, and so that was crazy. Like you have an empty big, you know, surface on the easel. And then you're like, okay, from... You don't know, you do, you don't feel it. You don't feel like going. And then you're like doing that, like just scale it up. It's like, you know what? I haven't been running. I'm going to go run a marathon kind of, yes. I mean, it's, it can be a huge, uh, instead of taking a little bite, you're like, now I've got the time, but it can right. be a real um, barrier because then it's all the expectations and then maybe it doesn't, it starts not looking the way you want it to be, or you don't have enough time or enough paint or whatever. You're not tall enough. I don't know. Yeah. And it's interesting because I had actually a friend, um, early on in my sabbatical when I was working on one of the painting, he's a very prolific artist and a very, very, very good friend and mentor. And, um, he was at a, a party that we had and he came and he, he he went to my studio and then he said, he looked at this one big painting that I made and he was like, okay, Natalie, want to talk about it? What happened here? And it wasn't like, I mean, it sounds horrible, but it, it wasn't horrible, you know, like, but he could feel it. He could see it. And I said, why, why are you saying that? And he's like, I didn't tell, like, you were like going like, and then I talked about it, like this, this thought of doing big paintings and going all out. And then he said, like, don't do it. Like, just start all over with what you usually do. Like, just like feel it again and be in your, in your body and, and just do it. Like do something that you're used to so that because it's your, your muscle memory, you know, that's there and, and just reactivate that. And then you can go. Uh, from there again and you know it was so it was so weird sometimes you need someone else give you permission although I mean if he would say I give you permission I would be like what kind of a friend are you I'm not asking you but so you know but I was like oh my god he gave me per permission thank you Adam you know so um, that was really good but yes that was a crazy thought and the other thought that I had for the pandemic I had this um grand thought that I would have figured out a new business model of how I would carry on from um, no one. Spoiler alert, my sabbatical is over and I haven't. <laughs> but I think that's what happens. We are 
um, maybe uninspired. We are um, just we're burned out. We're we're tired of doing what we we want to get back to doing the things that we used to like to do, but in a new way. And we have these big goals of like figuring out something that will make a difference for the rest of our business or our Mm -hmm. lives or whatever. So was, were you able, and I know this is further down, I can't remember. um, Were you able to really put your business on hold? Like, could you step back for a period of time and not have to think about all that? Yeah. It took a little bit. Um, So, you know, um, I made a hard cut at, like January 1st, I'm going to start my sabbatical. I announced it beforehand. There were a lot of people that were disappointed in terms of the workshops and that my annual like 12 year long uh, creative jumpstart would not run in January. And, um, but I had, um, I had given Kim notice who was my um, assistant for six years. Um, which was very hard. Uh, we would communicate, um, besides the weekend every day, we would talk text all the time. And I felt, I felt like I let her down. I'm very happy to say that, uh, it actually was very good for her as well, because she's an artist in her own right. And she, uh, very, very immediately started doing a lot of her own artwork and has been exhibited uh meanwhile in a lot of places and has had great art reviews and so it was actually probably uh also like good for her in terms of okay i can now do my own thing um i don't know if she saw it that way um i should ask her now again and say hey how did that feel um but yeah that was that was hard Um, And then, you know, I did a lot of social media, so it was kind of weird because uh, I felt like, in a way, you're like, oh, I don't want to do it because it's so annoying. But then also you have this, like, feeling like, is that right? I'm not posting anything. So it took me a while to actually get to the point that no one's going to miss you and it's okay. You will survive if you don't don't post, like, um, in fact... If you only post once a month or every few months, there will be still people saying, that's great. You're still alive. Awesome <laughs> to see you. <laughs> but from your own standpoint, out, you also let go of that. And that was great. So, yeah, it was a little hard, but I had signed up for a pottery course. And you uh, so had never not, done pottery before, right? Never done it. Okay. No. Well, I, I watched the great... Um, people will probably say, oh, my God. Um, but I watched the great... British uh, pottery show and you know I thought it was uh, it was so intriguing because there are so many things you can do with um, pottery and ceramic art and I knew that I didn't want to be like it's not like I'm not going to buy a kiln I'm not going to be right you know no that's not my next step I knew that (laughs) but um, I seem to have a lot of like amazing friends and another very good friend of mine who is an artist said to me Sometimes you just have to do things that you have never done before um, and they will set you free. And I was like, maybe I should follow her uh, advice. And I signed up for a 10 week uh, pottery class once a week um, for 10 weeks at the New York and New Jersey uh, Ceramic um, Institute, which is run by an, uh, Frank Bosco, who's a very 
uh, amazing artist. He has done work with um, Frank Steller to cover when Steller was like, you know, venturing into ceramics and some other stuff. So he has this classroom and it was six people. We were doing, we were sitting at the wheel and um, he's a, he's a, a wonderful teacher, a wonderful person, very dry. Not everyone m- might get it, but um, when, when I came in, he said something like, welcome to hell. Um, don't expect that you will learn in 10 weeks uh, what I have learned in 20 years. And I love that. I was like, that's awesome. I like you. <laughs> so <clears throat> I did that. And I also um, accidentally, a friend of mine, we know, we have a good friend who is a stained glass um, restor- artist, but also he restores stained glass windows and churches and Yale library, you know, like he's, if there's a church or a synagogue or something or stained glass window to repair it, he he he's your uh, he's your guy, and he has a he has an amazing studio and people work for him in Union City, and um and my friend, she's a little younger, and loves TikTok and she said stained glass window stuff is all the rage on on TikTok and I was like I wouldn't know because I don't do TikTok but I believe you and she's like we should ask Zach if he would want to give us a class and he said yes and so. Free, we free girlfriends. We would go, um, every couple of weeks and would take a class with them through like almost half a year. And we made our own stained glass window, painted it, everything. Um, so there were these two very different things and that you were both brand new to brand new. And I, it, that was the best thing I've done. I think in terms of like something creative that I did during my sabbatical because. Um, it was, you know, when you're, when you do something that you haven't done, you, um, I didn't have like, some people might be different with that, but I didn't have this, I really tried hard to hone in my own way of telling my students, don't have this perfect picture in my head. You will, it's too hard. You're setting yourself up for being disappointed or, you know, for failure not failure is a hard work, but it's really hard because you have this picture in your head. You're and learning, though. You you're learn, not, right? You get on a bike and you fall off and then you get back up and you fall. But right. we don't want to get bloody. We just want to get up and go to wherever we right. want to go. And that's what we want to do with our art, too. We we have an idea that we should be able to make this perfect cup or this perfect painting or this of what it is in our head. But our muscle memory is not there yet. And we, it's, it takes practice, right. right? And that's what, you know, the pottery guy, Frank, basically said is like don't 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 expect that that's not you're not going to get the perfect bowl you know like and I really I I loved it I loved when I had like a a little thing that I it looked wonky and terrible but I was I did that I made that I and you know the the curve the learning curve in the beginning of whatever you do is actually like really like it's it goes quick right and then and then it just goes like forever like this <laughs> but that feeling was so important to have that again that excitement of trying something new out of doing something so the first four months probably um 
I tried to do the big painting, which, as we know, sucked. But like, other than that, I didn't do much art. I didn't I didn't touch anything else. Was you it know. because you were you didn't feel it or you were just yeah. like burned out? You just yeah. and I, I gave myself the I gave myself the uh, the permission and I said, at least you're doing something creative and something will come out of that. And then at the same time, I'm sorry if I jump. No, you had a friend who told you to do something else, to do something completely different. That was the next question I was going to ask you anyway. Yeah. So so in this time, we tend sometimes if you're four months in and I don't know how long, how long was your total sabbatical? It was a year. So till December 31st this last year. And um, I also signed up. I also started um, volunteering at our Landmarks Conservancy, which I had followed for a long time here in Jersey City. And I liked their work. And, you know, when I was doing research into some of the buildings that I wanted to paint, I would find their research material or their resources. So I was very interested in what they were doing. And I thought, well, maybe I should apply to be on their board. A friend of mine was on the board. And I thought maybe some of my skills would be beneficial to them. They had a like um, social media that was there, but you know it wasn't like consistent or something. And it was funny while I dreaded to do my own social media. When I came on the board, I was like, "Hey, I have a strategic plan for your social media, and I would love to." Love to start that and and do that. And uh, I did. And I had so much fun, like because it had nothing to do with my business. Uh, I loved learning about different things in the city, uh, old buildings, architecture. And I also signed up for uh, an NYU class in historic preservation to do a certificate uh, program. And this all sounds crazy, but it was like I didn't do my art. I didn't figure out my business plan, so I was doing that. Um, I Not with the plan, like, I'm becoming a historic preservation person. But um, sure enough, I had a lot of exposure to, you know, community meetings. There were, like, things where, uh, and one thing was where I was invited to um, a neighborhood association meeting at the Museum of Jersey City History, and um, that was like with a developer and a house was demolished just so, because that's the way how we do it here in Jersey sometimes, you know, we just, we just knock it down. And so, and so we had this, we had this meeting and it was a coincidence that the museum's director heard my accent, which jarring it is, but apparently sometimes that's good. Um, and he was, he came to me and I, you know, I, I didn't speak as an artist. I was there for our organization. And he said, you're an artist, aren't you? And I was like, whoa, this is scary. How does he know, you know? And he said, he saw me because during the pandemic, we have this thing in Jersey City for 35 years. It's called the um, Jersey City Arts and Studio Tour. So once a year, the city, uh, city artists open up their studios or they go and have their artwork displayed and I had participated a couple of times um, before the pandemic and then during the pandemic they made this online and what I did online was I had all kinds of different paintings of mine and placed them on a on a map 
And I, I made it like a stroll through the neighborhood where I would zoom into a painting and talk about that building in the context of the neighborhood. And he had seen that. Um, and the museum wasn't even open. He had just seen it and remembered me when I was at this meeting. And he said, well, we have the Jersey City Art and Studio Tour coming up again this year. Would you want to have your artwork in our museum? That would be a perfect fit. I mean, and you weren't even going for to get a museum show. This was like you were just here representing for the historical preservation, right? Which I... But this goes back to another thing is for and you had said this, we had talked about this before, um, because you were so busy online and having online communities and inspiring people and teaching in-person workshops, teaching online workshops. It was a lot of time in front of your computer. And there was a lot of like worldwide um, people that know you know who you are. And but you didn't have as much time to spend in the day to day in your neighborhood, uh, building those kind of ties. And I think that that's something that um, really hit me after we had talked. Mm -hmm. I was like, that makes a lot of sense, you know, like um, as somebody who does love what you were around your space, but then you didn't have, you are so people oriented mm -hmm. that, that for you to have this huge online, but in person, you didn't have that as much, even though the the your you were influenced. Your art was influenced by the the places that were around you. So I thought that that was. I mean, I just think that's an awesome way that it worked out. That um, to me, I just believe God was like, oh, hey, I'm just going to put you here. And now you're going to have a show. You know, like that is just the wonderful thing of you being you, and then you starting to get into now a deeper in-person community and then somebody sees you because you have been um pioneering and you have been being visible you know so anyway keep going so he yeah, asked that was you, to you know yeah it was luck uh too but it's also I was like yeah I mean I'm a, a person who often says yes and then I'm like oh, now I have to figure this out so I had no work I had no, oh. like what he had seen, I didn't have anymore. I had sold it during the pandemic. I was basically like really almost giving things away. I was like, you want a painting? Here's 50 bucks. Take it. You know, so, so, so it was like, ooh. And that was awesome because. What time of year was this? Because this makes you have to start making stuff. Mm, uh, it was in June-ish. Okay. And the uh, the the thing was in, that he met me, and the um, the exhibition was in the beginning of October, I believe. Wow! So um, I was like, and he, and then you know, you he will. They were like serious, like I, I, you know, he was like, yeah, well, okay, and he's emailing me and says we have a curator and she's gonna come to a studio visit, and then he and I'm like studio visit i mean if i tell this now lucy who she is probably like cracking up i was like studio visit i have nothing like it was embarrassing so but it was i was so excited about this and i knew this was a really bad like a big opportunity and you know i had done all this work on buildings and research for the um conservancy so 
I had, I walked around, I took photos, I, you know, for social media. I had done the research. I wrote about people, uh, you know. All and you these had books. sketchbooks, right? You I were- had sketchbooks. And I was like, I do have the research already. I just need to paint it. And so I painted like a maniac, uh, just also for her visit, because I was like, how far, <laughs> how much can I kind of like push this away? And, and she was like, no, no, no we got to do this now because she's a curator. So her, ex, you know, her, she was like, where's this person coming from? No one has ever heard in Jersey City about this artist. Like, where's she coming from? Like, I need to at least first see what's going on, too. I mean, I don't think she wasn't trusting it, but I'm, you know, she wanted to know what is the word. There's a system. Here. She has a system yeah. of what. Yeah, yeah. And it was such a catalyzator for making art under pressure, although I don't believe that you always need this pressure. Right. But it was it was a mixture of feeling so kind of validated that someone saw you several years ago, two years ago, still remembered you. So I made an impact on this person who's actually not really into art and then not wanting to um, to disappoint this person, but also being like, let's go. And I painted day and night. I painted like 20 paintings or whatever, not for the studio visit, but until then, and so um the what exhibition size? Happened. were you were you working in a different way a new yeah, way yeah small How size were you again okay. back to small size okay. scratch the big one <laughs> and and i was like you know maybe like 24 by 24 might be the biggest or 12 by 24 but usually like 12 by 12 even 10 by 10 so small small pieces because also let's face this face this we are in a city people have small apartments right. small places like they're like, where are you gonna put that thing? That's like you're still thinking about uh, that. Uh, sometimes people, when they're doing something, they don't want to get rid of some things. Um, but you're thinking about it's still a business. This is still you would like to sell your art, and you're thinking about um, the the user, the person who's gonna buy it. Maybe. Yeah, I wasn't actually thinking so. Like I wasn't even thinking that I would sell anything because I have done these things before, and usually maybe you you know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, maybe something comes out later. Hmm. I wasn't actually like thinking that would happen, but I, I just like, I wasn't even, yeah. Actually, Lucy brought that up and she said, okay, so, um, so have you thought, like when you, she was very organized too, which I love. I love organized people, but she was like, okay, if you, you know, when you sit, like you have to put every painting, photograph it, put it in a Dropbox folder. You have to have the, you know, like she was basically also teaching me how to do, how to prepare an exhibition, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I hadn't done that. Like I had done some of it, but it was basically like, you know, like a gallery for the JC uh, art tour would say it was a group exhibition. We take these free paintings and then you would drop them off. They would hang them and you set them a couple of things. So she was, she was like, no, I'm going to look at all these paintings. I will pick which one I pick. I want the stories with it. I think the stories are great. Uh, but also think about pricing. And I was like, pricing? <laughs> She's like, you want to sell things, right? Don't you? And I was like, I guess so. And then I was like, yeah, because it's fun. And so, yeah, I did that. I thought about pricing. I thought about these things. 
And then um, I sold four paintings during the exhibition, which was more than I would have, you know, wanted to. And the museum, now I'm braggy, braggy. I don't no, want to go ahead to, to, let's go. Cause that gives <laughs> us hope. So. So the museum decided that they want to have the work there indefinitely for now. So I'm basically, when something sells, I can come in and we rehang things and I bring something new and um, it's been it's been amazing. Well, another part of this that I <laughs> love because I love sketchbooks is that she actually insisted that you you have your sketchbooks as well. And you were like, why is anybody going to want to see my sketchbook? Can you tell about that? And then the students that came in? Yeah, she saw my art journals, uh, which I usually use to, um, you know, warm up and try things out and oftentimes when I have a painting I I I do it first in my art journal to kind of practice and then I have a ledger book from the 18 17 something 1800 and it's like one of those big gigantic ledger books and I put the painting in there too so it's like a a text collection uh ledger and I felt it was like kind of cool to put the paintings in there too so I had this kind of thing where I do it, try it first and sketch it out and try some things in my art journal. And then I put it on canvas. And then in case the canvas is done, I'm going to put it in the big ledger. And like you put it in your ledger. And um, the ledger book was, uh, that was the one that I based my pandemic um, online um, exhibition on. And Martin, the museum's director, was like, we got to have the ledger in the display. So when I showed this to Lucy, she looked at my art journals and she was like, this is really cool. You should bring it because it shows your pro progress and how your process, too, just of how you. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like there's a lot of ugly stuff in there and things you like, you know, like like it's important to me, but it's not. There are a lot of things that I would never really share because it's like, who did that? You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So, so she was like, no, no, bring some. So we had like maybe four or five books somewhere in a display, display case. So they couldn't be touched and just one page was open. But then some of them were just on a little, uh, kind of like pedestal a pedestal or something. Yeah. Yeah. And. I had actually like had them open, but I had them had like a little double sided like painter's tape so that the page that I wanted to show was open, but it take, took like two seconds at the opening and the first person was like going through it. And I kept like, you know, pinching it down, but people were drawn to it. And so many people asked me about those and they said, it's so interesting to see how the process is, what you think, how you do that. And then actually um, a friend of mine too, who knows what I do, but has never seen my art journals. He works for a big uh, tech company and he said, um, wow, you're doing this? What is this? And I told him and he said, you're like, I've been um, doing this for 20 years, buddy. <laughs> do we know each other? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then he said, well, don't you want to come to my company and teach a workshop? Um, kind of for like non-creatives, right? For just creatives. Right. Which I think it has also kind of inspired you in, in, and just all these things 
have to do with your community, have to do with people that you know, being nice to people, but also being out in the world. And then um, it just, it has come around. And I just think um, it's, it's like a beginning of a slide where Mm -hmm. it's, it's happening and all that hard work. um, And it's, it just is, uh, it's paying off. And I'm glad that you took a sabbatical. I'm sorry that the big paintings didn't work out maybe one day, but I do think that there's something, there's been such great things that have come out, but you being a a rookie doing the pottery class, taking ceramics, doing the stained glass that was still visual, but then you really poured into the historical preservation. You took another class that was not about painting, right? It was it was um, something else. And then you did tons of history on just the buildings in the area and you continued to do your work. But it, and I, I do think having that um, spur of you needed to Lucy was coming over and you were going to have a show and you needed to get something. Sometimes having a deadline like that, I think, is um, is important. Um, mm-hmm. I know that when. I've run groups and we have, there's some accountability to somebody getting their website up. It's like, you're saying you're going to do it. If you didn't have accountability, you'd never get it done. If Lucy wasn't coming, you wouldn't have stayed up late painting or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. And that was good. And I also think that um, I thought about maybe doing something with companies at some point. But I never thought that I would be, I personally would be interested in it because I was like, well, but I think being in the situation again, where I was the beginner and had no clue of doing things and that excitement, I'm looking forward to work with people who are, who don't know anything about it. And it might, and they just signed up because they want to figure it out for two hours or three hours. It's a three hour workshop three hours during work. And, you know, I'm like, I'm excited because I'm, I'm sure there will be a couple of people that, that really got something out of that. That doesn't mean that I need to convince them to do this for the rest of their life, that they have to be, you know, artists now or want to be artists. It also means I don't have to figure out how I sell some convince of my- people. You I- said that the other day. You said, yeah. man, I have to convince people to take this or, you know, and and I just that has stuck with me since we talked because it's like that is what it feels like. But it is so freeing. And then but this tech company where it's something totally outside, those people aren't doing design. Maybe they're not. They're like doing the accounting or whatever yeah. they're doing, you know, like regular HR stuff. And then they're coming in as uh, a way to think differently and to, and they might not have even ever seen an art journal. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that it's like what the pottery class did for you or what the um, historic preservation class did for you, you know, because it was just something outside. I think for me, um, reading your Substack, which I'm going to put your your links here. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can just check them out. They're right down below. They're at the top. And then if you're on wherever you get your podcast, they're also right at the top. Um, I'm going to read them. So Nat Callback, K-A-L-B-A-C-H dot Substack dot com. That one you talk about, you had um, 
I mean, there's images, there's all kinds of stuff, which I think is great. So you were journaling, you were doing, um, collecting, you were making art journals as well, but you were collecting this information and then you shared it. And I think some, when I read it, I, I mean, it popped up that you had one, I read it and then I wrote, but I commented because I was like, man, I could feel from your thing, the sabbatical was, um, successful but in a way that you didn't expect and it, yes. it you didn't come out think with the so if you were measuring it on how you thought you were going to be coming out of it it wasn't a success no. but you don't know where you're going but now you're like I found some things and I have some direction or I have some things that are interesting to me that I didn't know about before or um you are renewed. I think sometimes we, we think about a sabbatical being a refresh. Um, I'll, it's a restart. It's a respite. I have a break. I don't have to do things, but really, um, there's a lot of mental stuff that goes on. Cause if you are taking it at the end of a burnout, um, it's hard to get back in. I think it's really nice that you gave yourself four months to just kind of, um, heal, I guess, uh -huh. you know, it's not like you're completely healed now, but you're at a much better, a different place than you expected. I think the expectations, just like you would say to somebody, if it was their first time drawing, whatever, doing an art journal, drawing an apple, painting a building, you would say, hey, don't get in your head too much. But I think the same thing for sabbatical. I don't think enough people say that. Like uh -huh. um, my sabbatical was absolutely not everything I wanted it to be. There were lots of parts that were good, but I thought I would have more time. And when I've taken more breaks, even if it was just a month, um, I still didn't make the art I wanted to make because I didn't have that regular practice. It was like your big canvases. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't. And I think for me, I have to continually be doing it. And I have a hard time getting out of the sketchbook. So I need to be just like you would, if you wanted to paint on big canvases, you needed to be painting on big canvases before the sabbatical so that you're more comfortable and you can move. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just think it is the, the mindset of this isn't going to solve everything. You're not going to have it all figured out. Cause if you, if you were to just stay in sabbatical mode, how long do you think it would be till you figured it out? Like never. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think the one thing that I do have is that, you know, I changed my career path once. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, I did that very um, strategically. Like, I didn't just quit my job and said, this is it. Like, I had I had built up my, um, you know, my online teaching and my um my traveling um you know i i had these connections i had these um opportunities i think i even had my first licensing agreement already maybe maybe it came a little later uh, but it was around the same time um and so i also had like something to fall back onto so i knew like okay I'm going to try it. And if it doesn't work out in three years, that would be around the time that I could still go back to being a paralegal without uh, being out of, you know, knowledge too long before no one would want to have me back or I would have to restudy everything. So I, I was very, very, um, you know, I had like a plan and I was like, 
here are different income sources. This is how I could make it work. And, you know, it, it worked for the long time. So um, this time I thought when I went into the, into the, um, in, into the sabbatical, it wasn't like a real career break, but I thought I would come out with this new idea, new path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, and I, and what I did come out though with was, uh, a re, like a knowledge of, uh, what I really like and where my interests are and, um, what makes sense, uh, in terms of for my artwork and other, um, things that I like to do. Um, and funnily enough, some kind of confidence that something will come out of this, which is, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not like, oh, I'm shouting it in the universe and something's happening. I'm not very, actually very like straightforward organized. This is the first time I'm doing something crazy like this ever. For me, it feels like, why was she doing? But there is some sort of confidence that if you keep, like, if I keep on working and, and dig a little deeper, that I will find a path. It's just, it's basically the same that I did while I was still a paralegal and I was digging into this, um, you know, art thing. And I, I did that. So the only difference is right now, I don't have like a, a steady income that I used to have when I did that, when I was still figuring that out. So, um, but I mean, if then maybe I have to get a half, like if I don't figure that out soon, then I might have to work like half time somewhere, you know, like I will figure this out somehow without having to go back and do online classes or the things that I realized are not, they had their time and their place and they were great. And I'm so glad I did it. Um, but I don't want to go back to that. That's not my fallback um, right now. Right. Well, now I think maybe you have a renewed faith that the next things will come and that you will continuing to go down some of that historic because uh, that's where you feel like the the call to keep going, that there there have been two things that have come out of you just having people in your life. And one of those was at the museum and it was because you were there for the historic preservation, the conservancy. And then the other one is just maybe he came to that show and, or who, you know, it's like things will keep rolling, but you do have to keep Mm -hmm. um, talking about what you do. Um, You have to keep um, advocating for others or, you know, advocating for the buildings for, so that people don't wreck them down or whatever. Right. Um, But there's, I think that it's like your passion and that you are like, Think, we'll figure things out. And if I need to go back and do something else, then it's not going to be where it's going to suck the life out of me um, so that I'm not able to get back to who I am. So if you were going to do another, um, how will you incorporate a sabbatical in a regular, in your regular life now? So for somebody um, who can't take like a time off. Yes. I think it's really, really, um, so I'm way better now in just, um, saying a weekend is a weekend. Mm. Um, I, I used to not to because they're like, I'm, you know, I'm always there. I always have to, um, be the person who does that. I think of social media break. If you're a lot on social media, 
I think that it's a blessing and a curse. I know a lot of people say, I hate social media. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, it depends, right? But I wouldn't necessarily say that because I also think there is, um, it's an opportunity that we have nowadays in a way that has never been there before to make your artwork seen by a, a range of people that might have not seen it otherwise, especially if you don't have a gallery or other ways of distributing that, you know, that that's actually pretty cool. Um, but I think you need to make sure that you're not, um, you're not becoming what they want you to become the content creator. Like that's not your job. I'm, I don't want to be an influencer. I don't want to be a content creator. And, um, I don't want to play into this, like, now I have to make reels. Like I've made like maybe one reel by accident and, you know, <laughs> survived so far. So, um, so I think that's important. That's a great. Uh, I love that. Right. So you just like take some breaks from that. Don't feel, try to get out of that pressure. Uh, and I, I try to do that. I'm not good in not using like, I have an attachment and I hate that and I wish it was better, but in terms of, you know, creating content, I I'm way more relaxed. Like maybe if you need that, then say, I want to have at least only two days a week, but I don't even do that. It doesn't matter. Um, and then the other thing is like, really get, get out and do get to do really some other things like sign up for a class um, if you can't take a real sabbatical, maybe sign up for something that you always had a little, like, if you're a painter, do dancing. Well, you don't want to dance, but I'm saying, like, do something that you have been interested in, but it has nothing to do. Because I think um, there's always something that work, like happens in you. And when we learn something new, I also think um, we're so creative. Creative, I think that's the cool thing about creatives that even if we do something that has nothing to do with what we're, or we think it has nothing to do with what we're doing, you always, when you learn something new, you always try to connect it to what you already, mm. what's there creatively. And that gives you the opportunity to explore something that's totally different. Let's say you go and you, you, you take a dance class and then you would be like, how can I incorporate my art with dancing? I'm making this up now, but you know, how do I combine historic preservation with, um, painting the buildings that I paint and, and, and then, you know, maybe write about it or whatever. Um, so there are ways to do that. Um, and also I think, while I think that online, like be like all these online tools and everything that we have at our hands are really amazing. What this year really honed back to me was, um, how important interpersonal connections on, on a local scale are and how wonderful it is to also be exposed to people that might have the same goal or the same um, you know, yeah, like, you know, purpose or thinking about the same purpose, like being in this place, but, um, they come from all kinds of different ways of life and it's diverse, you know, and I think, I think that's also 
important. Um, and that gives a lot of sparks and ideas. I did oral history, a whole oral history project with our, um, with, with the Landmarks Conservancy. We got a grant and I interviewed a, an 104 year old, uh, woman. She's amazing. She actually turned 105 in November, but, um, that conversation, just like having this conversation and then, you know, that sparked also something in me because it's storytelling, historic preservation, uh, painting old buildings, doing the research. So when you find something that you think that has nothing to do with what you're doing, you will make connections somehow. And I think that's where a lot of joy and fun can come out of. Um, so take your mind off of what you usually do but see how you can kind of like think about it back. Or you do jet, like I had this jazz talk. Um, I, I saw a jazz talk and I'm, my husband loves jazz. I'm, I would say like, I'm more like this elevator jazz person. So if it goes too crazy, I'm like, oh, so, but I had a, I heard this jazz talk actually by my husband, but anyway, and we looked, we watched the Ken Burns documentary on jazz. Kill me now because I love Ken Burns, but it's like 10, 10 million hours of jazz history, right? And I was, I was thinking about how they were talking, these jazz musicians were talking about jazz. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of connections that I can make to, um, painting on canvas. Like when you do a jam session, how they, how they yeah. have these skills, but how do they come together? And, you know, Every time I do something new and I kind of think, how can I bring this back and make a bridge to what I know, mm. that's when the fun thing happens. So that would be my suggestion. Do something that's like really crazy, weird, different, um, or do something with your partner and see what his interest is and um, see if you can find a connection there, actually. So, yeah. I I love that. This has been awesome. I want to just make sure if so that people can uh, get in touch with you in other ways. So Nat callback at substack.com or Instagram.com slash Nat callback, K-A-L-B-A-C-H, just in case. And then your website is Natalie's studio. There's two S's right next to each other. Um, dot com. Natalie's studio and Natalie with an H N A T H A L I E S studio.com. It's pretty amazing that I can read that and it still, it didn't mess up in my head and coming out of my mouth. It, this was awesome. I got up super early today and I told that I was like, man, th there are some, this is why I do this at this time of day, because it really energizes me. I, I don't even, I would never be able to go to sleep right now. I, this is, um, hopeful. This is, gives me hope. Um, so at a university, we have to apply for sabbatical. I applied. It got denied. Not that my project was bad. It just goes to the people who haven't had one. So I'm off for that. But I'm like, how can I still take or still make the things that I wanted to do? How can I make that? But it means that I have to say no to something else um, that maybe I'm currently doing so that I can um, really go forward. And I think that's something else that you taught me. But the other thing is just in my local community and with my uh, alumni or other people that are here locally, what can I do and how can I connect with those people as well? Cause I think that that that's another, uh, it's a, 
another point that you've said that's really stuck with me. So I love it. Thank you for spending time with me and with us. And I am just very thankful and to have you back. And I can't wait to have you back again. Um, and I can't, I just keep, I uh, love reading your uh, Substack and seeing your art. And so just thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me again. It was so fun. And thank you for these questions. They made me really think about this too. And um, thank you for everyone coming. So I hope we can connect and um, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Me too. And next week, just so everybody knows, um, we are, this is the last, uh, I know I say it's January, but my, my client, my client, not my client, my friend, Colin, who is coming call. He's um, he was on back in November or something. And he is going to come back because I didn't know he did all this stuff with mental health, but the reason he can't do it on Wednesday and on the last day of January or within January is because he teaches a exercise class. And we're going to talk about that as we close out the mental health month for that we celebrate here on Creatives Ignite. Um, so it will be on um, is next. Uh, yeah. Next, next Wednesday is the 31st. So on Thursday, same time, regular time, uh, wherever you normally watch it, but it'll be on Thursday. So I will see y'all on Thursday next week. Natalie, thank you so much. I hope that, um, I'll keep bugging you and I'll keep reading and, um, just thank you for inspiring and being willing to share and do something different and keep, keep us, uh, keep painting. Cause I love your paintings. Thank you so much. <laughs> I will see, I'll see y'all next week. Thank you again. Natalie.